2: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See
0: website for details.
2: This is Matt Doyle and you're listening to And the Award Goes To
1: It's a look back at Broadway's Most magical night And all of the winners Reminisce with delight With their talents and brilliance They always impress and the Tony Eagles to my special guest. Have you ever dreamed of winning a Tony Award? Did you ever practice your Tony acceptance speech in the bathroom mirror? Did you grow up watching the Tony Awards every year? Do you have a collection of Tony Award shows on VHS tape that you refuse to throw out? Well, then this is the podcast for you. Every week I interview your favorite Tony Award winners, and together we go down memory lane as my guests share intimate and never before shared details about their Tony experience. By the end of every episode, you're going to feel like you just wanted Tony. Welcome to And the Tony Goes To. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Welcome to today's Tony winner, Matt Doyle.
3: Oh, my goodness. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you to the American Theatre Wing and the Broadway League and to all of the beautiful men in my category. My God, you brilliant, brilliant men. Uh, thank you so much to my team, Erica Tuckman and Tim Marshall, and to everyone at the Jacobs Theatre, the staff, the crew, the stage management, and my company, my beautiful family. We have been to hell and back together, and I love you all so much. Uh, to Ty Benson, my wonderful Paul, and my real-life Paul, Max Clayton, I love you. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without you, and, and you really do leave love notes all over the place, and you. I, I cannot believe what you put up with. Uh, thank you so much to uh, Marion Elliott and Chris Harper for your friendship and your guidance and your support over the years in changing my life. Thank you to my earliest teachers, Marilyn, Judy, Britt, Eric, Richard, Beth. Thank you to my family, my sisters, Leah and Colleen, and my parents who believed in me pursuing my passion and believed in the arts and believed that the only way I would be happy is to live my life authentically. Thank you so much to George Firth and to Stephen Sondheim. Stephen, thank you for allowing your work to evolve and allowing more people to be seen in your genius. Thank you so much. I'm the next bride.
1: Matt.
2: It's have, so it, surreal. Is ta- it ha- tell really me everything. Is. I've, that, I've, I'm like convinced that that's like computer generated, you know, that that's, that's not real. Someone made that for you
1: for your birthday.
2: <laughs> I still. Yeah, somebody made it for me. It's like one of those deep fakes, you know, and they put my face on someone else and isn't that hilarious? It's uh, it's still just so surreal and so strange to watch that because it feels so recent and does like in my consciousness, like I do know that that happened. I, I accept that as reality. I see the trophy and I know that that's real. But at the same time, I'm like, that like I don't remember any of that. Everybody thought I rehearsed that speech, which I'm very like thrilled that it went as well as it did. But I I remember sitting in my seat right beforehand, and I had a list of names that I wanted to go through, and I was like, I'll hit these names throughout the speech. I have to end with Sondheim. I have to say these names, you know. And uh, I I actually wasn't rehearsed at all. And right before they like said my name, I was like, Oh my gosh, what if I just fall flat on my face? and I went up there, something happened I know I screamed, I'm the next bride at the end and then I ran off and people were like wow, you must have rehearsed that speech for days I was like, no, I swear to God, that was like psychotic stream of consciousness, like just everything coming out at once I have no idea how that managed to be any way, shape or form, you know uh, coherent, coherent at all. and
1: articulate and emotional and kind of groundbreaking, it was all the things, the, the extraordinary you know, thing about that show is how unbelievably fresh and and current your production was. And I want to, you know, obviously, the Sondheim of it all, right? Like, like Sondheim was still alive when you began doing the show. And we had lost him, I believe, when you accepted your Tony that night. And I... I wonder yeah. if you can talk about, I mean, we're we're going to get into how you were cast in the show and your history of the show, but yeah. sort of working backwards. Um, talk about yeah. the time of it all. Talk about that.
2: Absolutely. You know, so we were pretty uh, heavily involved with Sondheim in the first half of the process in 2020. And uh, he was in the room with us constantly and making sure that his words were respected and making sure that it evolved in an appropriate way, in a way that he was comfortable with. But he was also so open to new ideas. And that's something that I really respected about him in his older age because I knew Sondheim uh, during the Sweeney Todd off Broadway, the, the, very, very teeny Sweeney that we did. Um, and he was around a lot for that and he loved that production so much. He embraced it so much because it was, it was fresh and it was new and people were listening to his words in a different way and excited by them again. And, and I appreciated that he wasn't, uh, you know, he, he didn't want his pieces to be museum pieces. And that's what was so exciting about him is he just appreciated creativity and art and people, uh, being inspired by what he had created and wanting to create more with it. And uh, he was he was sharp and and just so present when we were first uh, working on it. And then when we came back from the pandemic, I think a lot of us knew that he was A, not healthy, but also we didn't want to get him sick. We were still so terrified of COVID at that time, and we certainly didn't want him to be exposed or out of his apartment in any way. We wanted him to be able to see the production again, and we had him there on the first preview. He was elated. He said it was the most entertaining night of theater he'd ever had in his life, and he just was so thrilled to see with what it had become And said to me that night that that line I'm the next bride is the most important line in the show to him because of what it represents. It's not only his favorite exit line in a musical ever, but also now coming from the perspective of a gay man to hear that screamed and to hear it, uh, you know, shouted to the rooftops, which is the only way he wanted it, uh, was a really, I think emotional experience for him. And, uh, and then he passed just five days later. It was utterly... It was, I think, the hardest blow, through obviously, throughout that entire process, just because we had worked so hard to bring it back and uh, we were hanging on to it with so much emotion and passion. And to uh, walk into that space, to to present it to him, to have him love it, and then to lose that genius just a few days later was just really shocking. But I'm so... So grateful yeah. he got to see it.
1: You know, when we think about Sondheim, his private life was really private. It wasn't something he shared yeah. a lot about. I think for most people, you know, didn't know he had a husband or and, and sort of didn't know about that part of his life. Yeah. Um, and so what a remarkable thing for him who is so private to sort of then embrace and just love the idea that his yeah. story could be shared in this way. And what a remarkable yeah. thing in one's lifetime to see this piece yeah. reinvent itself in this way and for him to get to see it. How, how did the conversation about the, the sort of switching Amy to Jamie, um, was that already a part of the production when they did it in London?
2: It was a part of the production in London. So Jonathan Bailey of now yes. Bridgerton fame and everything uh, actually played the role out in the UK. But it was a it was a tough conversation. It was the last piece of the puzzle in terms of the gender swaps. The you know Marianne really didn't want to lose another incredible mm. female character in a very right. feminist production, and um, and Sondheim also struggled with a lot of uh, I think characters becoming gay in this piece because for so long he was just annoyed with the notion that so many people and scholars of his work had built around the idea that Mm -hmm. Bobby was gay not that Bobby couldn't be gay but and they actually even tried it in a production once but I think when, when so many people over the years if you've created something yell at you and tell you that this is what you wrote when you in fact did not write that it becomes a very frustrating and weird thing to hear so I know that he like resisted tendencies to even make Bobby in this production a lesbian or uh, bisexual, you know, just because he was like, I just want to get rid of that notion, this like this bizarre theory that, you know, people have written as fact when there's no fact, you know, that was never written that way. And he's like, it's just, I'm sure it just frustrated him from just a perspective of like, no, I wrote this. You don't know what you're talking about. And I think so, I think there was some resistance of, uh, you know, exploring the sexuality of these characters too much. And then he... uh, he thought about it. I mean, there's there's actually public emails now of Marianne and and Sondheim back and forth that they published in the New York Times, and you can see this disu- this whole discussion going back and forth. And he says, you know. I think that this could actually be showstopping and a really exciting way to add a really important thing into our piece, which is obviously homosexuality and, and gay men, um, and give a, a male actor a chance to have this showstopping moment. And that's exactly what it turned into. And it was actually in the, the end, I think, his way in, because he realized that the commentary on gay marriage was really important. Yeah to explore. So
1: I know that you had done Warhorse. Um, And so you had a relationship with, with yeah. uh, Marianne Elliott, Elliott, the director. Tell me how uh, this, this job of company came into your life.
2: So I had not been talking to Marianne and, you know, we were really close during Warhorse Horse. And uh, at you know, she went back to the UK, time happens, you see each other occasionally at parties and say, oh God, I miss you, we have to catch up. But I hadn't been talking to her in a while and I knew that they were casting for company and I just thought to myself, well, you know, if she if she thought I was right for something, she would have called me in. And at the very last minute, they were having final callbacks and they decided to bring me in for Paul, uh, the character that Jamie is uh, terrified to to be married to. And I said to them, you know, I I really just don't think I'm a Paul. I think I'm more of a Jamie, and I just don't want to waste your time. I know you're probably going to cast some big star as Jamie. It did very well for Jonathan Bailey over in the UK. So I understand if you don't want to see me for Jamie, but that's the role I should read for. And Marianne said, no, 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 please just come in for Paul. And I started, I was about probably 20 seconds into my audition, and she stopped me, and she said, oh, God, you're right. You are a Jamie. and she decided to make me learn getting married today on the spot in the room. And uh, I did the first verse for them there. And then uh, she said, don't worry, we'll, we'll bring you back. But she gave me 24 hours with the material and I learned the entire song overnight. Uh, it was the opening of Moulin Rouge for my boyfriend. And uh, I I remember I couldn't go to the party and I was up like crying all night, you know, wondering how I was it was going to yeah. go because it was such an important audition all of a sudden. And I went in the next day, it all just like came flying out of my mouth and we worked on the material for about an hour to the point that people in the room started laughing because it was like, right. What's happening? Rehearsing? Yeah. You know, like, what are we actually doing? We have <laughs> other people outside. Yeah. It was so crazy. I was in there wow, for so, so long. Great. And... Uh, I left the room, and Marianne and I have a, a really great chemistry. We understand each other. We know how to jab at one another in a really healthy and loving way, and also get to each other's truth. And uh, I think I felt that as soon as we were working together again. And it was just this moment, you know, when you get together with an old friend and you're you're having a conversation again, and you realize, oh my god, it's so it's so comforting to be in the presence of someone who just yeah. gets yeah. you,
1: That's
2: incredible. you know. And that's how it felt. Yeah. And so I left the room and I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And she sent me an email, email immediately saying that was so fun. And I was like, yeah. what does this mean? And I didn't hear anything what? for five days. And I was like, this grueling. is. Yeah. yeah. I-, I was losing my mind. But it was just because they were trying to get Sondheim to watch the tape to give his approval. And no one wanted to tell me that because had he yeah. said no, I would yeah, have carried yeah, yeah. that to no, my grave. That would have
1: been, I mean, we heard Matt Doyle left town and we don't know where he is. No, it would have been the worst. Did you actually learn it by heart by the time you went in the next day for the audition?
2: I probably knew part of me is everybody there because if everybody's there. That's okay. probably all I knew. Because I'd been watching it for years and watching like yeah. my idols do this, you know, just brilliant women. But never. Yeah. I- exactly. But I never like, it was not something I planned on doing ever you know it was not a role that I suspected would I would take on so you hear part of me is everybody there and then you just like watch yes. you know that's that's yes. how you take in that song I don't think anyone except for maybe a few people who want a good party trick yeah. like or Broadway
1: it. backwards and or something.
2: Uh, yeah I, I yes exactly so I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I loved the song. I loved watching performances of the song, but I, I really did not know. So when know, you
1: went <laughs> to that callback, were you, did you know it or were you holding the lyric sheet in your yeah. hands?
2: Oh, I put, the lyri- I put the lyrics down and Marianne went,
1: oh God, are you serious?
2: And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just going to try. And it oh all just God. like came out.
1: Once you got into the scene work or sort of, I assume it wasn't just working on the song because everyone saw like, okay, he has the breath control. He did not faint. (laughs) He got it all out.
2: Yeah, certainly not about the musicality of the song. It was then breaking down what Marianne wanted to see and what I think made her version of that song so spectacular aside from the staging and the set and everything about that was just such a showstopper. And I do really contribute so much of that to the collaboration of everyone yeah, the involved the design I mean, was, it was extraordinary it was yeah so special yeah exactly
1: At luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US,
2: excluding Washington, and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Uh, but what Marianne knew is that most of the time it's been done as one kind of deadpan stream of th- thought, which is a brilliant way of delivering right. it. That's how Madeline Kahn did it. I, I worshiped that video. You know, like I think she's a genius. But sh- Marianne really, really, really wanted to see. Each individual specific thought and also thought, you know, that would also add to the nervous breakdown and the fury and the kind of chaos. If, if the actor has to play with intent every single individual thought at that speed. So she, that's the first thing we started to work on is to, if, if I could do lightning quick emotional changes wow. at that speed on every single thought. Because a thought changes, part of me is everybody there. New thought, because if everybody's there, new thought. I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. New thought. And it just flies by. And so I thought I looked absolutely insane. And I think I did, but I think that's <laughs> right, what served. Right. Emotionally so well.
1: and comedically. All of it, right? All the yeah. things. Yeah. Was exactly. that um was that number something when you got to it each night? Because obviously there were many other things and scenes you had to do and sing throughout the show. Was that yeah. like Oh my God, it's coming. Oh my God. Once this part of the show is over, I can enjoy my show. Or were you like, oh my God, I can't wait for it. It's coming. Like which which was it? You know, it was always. exciting.
2: It was yeah. it was exciting. It was always exciting. I actually wasn't I was only afraid of it when we were doing previews in uh, 2020. But I think I attribute that to fears that the uh, the pandemic really helped alleviate, which which are really just kind of the sad fears of our industry, like what's Ben Brantley Uh going to think? What are my friends going to think? What are the awful people who gossip uh, around here going to think of me? This is such an important moment and role. Am I going to screw it up? So those fears, I think, really held me back. And then you live through something like the pandemic. All of that lifts, you know, we're so lucky to be back. I found myself really just excited and grateful every night. And yes, I was very hard on myself if I screwed it up. And the screw ups happened occasionally. And that's just who I am as a performer.
1: How have you learned to sort of let yourself be human and not a robot?
2: I'm still trying. Yeah, I'm still definitely working on that. That's that's the biggest thing that I have to accomplish. I think uh, perfectionism is actually a real curse to a performer, especially in a role like that. Um, now, I needed it for the song, but I had to let go of it for the scene. And I had to allow myself to be in the scene and in the moment because it was such a tender and, and, and beautiful scene. I, there was one night where I it was the last night of Tony voters. And if any actor ever tells you Tony season's easy, they're lying to you. Uh, And I knew we had, you know, what, 20 voters in there for the final night, trying to see it. It was a big night and I had made it through all of Tony season thinking, you know, I feel good about my performances. And on that last night, I uh, repeated a verse because I, I got lost and I, Left the stage. I have never had an emotional breakdown like that at a theater before because all of that pressure finally just released, and I was so upset. And it was actually Miss Patty LaPone who pulled me aside. She came up to my dressing room and she grabbed me, and she was like, she was like. F this. This is so effing hard. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we have to go through this. It is ridiculous what they put us under. It is ridiculous how much pressure we put on ourselves. And she just like let me yeah. yell about it with her. She didn't yeah. tell me get over it. She didn't try to tell me it's okay. You need to like w- you know snap out of this. She just
1: she honored she just let me your vent feeling. Her,
2: you know and like
1: yeah.
2: yeah. She honored how hard it is because yeah. she's been through it so many times. And she understands that even though, yes, in reflection, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous how hard I took that, you know. Uh, she, she knew exactly what I was feeling. And, uh, yeah, I think those are those are the life lessons is, like, the more I, I recognize that we are all going to be human and we're all going to have flaws like that, we're all going to have hangups like that, the easier they are to yeah. deal with you know, and yeah. the more I can laugh. Um, at
1: them. I mean, what a cast, right? What was it like sort of, are there any things that you saw that you can kind of share about what it is watching Patty rehearse or Katrina rehearse these roles that, you know, like yeah. you, people had such a preconceived idea about. And so they both are taking them on yeah. and, and recreating them. Um, Anything that you can share or lessons yeah. learned?
2: Well, hats off to Katrina Lank because she was a rock and uh, the most grounded and just giving uh, performer I've ever worked with. She was so focused on us, on the storytelling, on developing Bobby, past, uh, you know, a lot of, in my opinion, bullshit that she had to deal with, with preconceived notions about her role um, on both a uh, acting level and a gender level and a vocal level. And she expanded until the very end. She grew until the very end. She discovered until the very end. And you know, I say to everyone if if uh, if you want to go see an actual performance and and uh, what a performer is really capable of, don't go in previews. Don't go around opening when they're terrified of the press and all of the things that we were talking about earlier. Go closer to the end of their run once they have discovered so many layers and nuances. And I just was in awe of her. She took everything with so much grace and 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 held such dignity throughout that whole process. and in my opinion, it was easily one of the best performances of last season. And, uh, and then Patty, I mean, I had heard so many stories. We all have stories about Patty that we have before we even, you know, meet the woman. And, uh, she lived up to every expectation I had of her and more in the best ways. I just absolutely adored her so much. She is, she is my jam. I mean, I, I love someone who's blunt. I love someone who's unafraid. I love someone who uh, makes mistakes and admits it and uh, embraces them. And most importantly, I love someone who is there for the work and for the company. And that really surprised me with Patty. I knew she'd be there for the work, but I didn't know what she would mm-hmm. be like as an ensemble member. But the woman was moving chairs in her 70s, right. you know, with the rest of us. She was all about the ensemble work. She made sure that she was a part of every group number. It Blew me away. I mean, she's about the company. And that was the f- first thing first. She was about being a company member. And that's why she said it all the right. time. That's why I do theater. And it was stunning. And I I felt so taken care of by her and appreciated.
1: You know, by her. we are lucky. I don't know how it happened, but someone whether I don't know how it happened, but your Tony Nom morning and finding out your your nomination yeah. uh, is filmed. And yes. D-
2: yes, Max filmed so it, my partner. He, I know. He and I had no idea. Confident. I was like, you <laughs>
1: He knew yes. that you were going to be nominated.
2: I, I guess so. Oh god. Could you imagine? I mean, I'm sure he would have deleted the video and never told me that he had done that, but like I he was I he yes. was pretty confident, um, yeah. So
1: Lord. so the world can see um what that felt like for you in real time. It's such an incredible thing to get to watch someone's dream come true uh, on film. But can we talk a little bit about the night itself? You won a bunch of awards also, not just the Tony for this part. So you had some idea of what it would feel like to have your name called. But there really is in, in our little piece of the planet, there really is nothing like the Tonys. It is... Just a different kind of award, and it's the award you knew about growing up. Um, What was it like? So first of all, who were you able to bring with your Tony tickets? Who who were you able to have both seated next to you or somewhere in the auditorium on that night?
2: So seated next to me was my partner, Max. He came on my ticket. You get one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tony's. Uh And then my agent and manager actually bought seats next to me to be there with me, which was amazing. I had no idea. I knew they were going to be there, but I sat down next to them. and I was like, oh, you guys, that's <laughs> they, they were like, yes, I thought you knew that. And, uh, yeah. And my parents were able to buy tickets. So shows at the very end, once they've like sorted everyone, everyone out shows usually get a pool and they do a lottery uh, for those tickets. So I, we got those tickets in a pool and I literally just walked up to our producers and I said, if you put my name in a lottery, I'm going to kill you. I was like, you give two tickets yeah. to my parents. Thank you very much. Yeah. I will pay for them and let's get this taken care of. So luckily my parents did get to come. They were only about, I think like 20 rows back in the the orchestra. I had no idea where they were seating. Otherwise I would have, uh, sitting, I, right. I would have yelled to Looked them. Around. I just kind yeah. of stared out at that m- massive, yeah, vast audience. And, uh, was so overwhelmed, but I, I felt very, very, uh, grateful that and, I had so many and people there.
1: And did you have a tux already? Did someone dress you and Max for the night? What what happened with that?
2: So we actually went to Tom Ford and uh, we we both got our like absurd Tom Ford tuxes and they were wonderful to us there and uh, took really good care of us. And I uh, I felt very, uh, very appreciated. And I felt, you know, it was, I, I said to myself, no matter what happens, I have no idea when this will ever happen again. I, I, this is everything I've dreamt of. I'm going to go big or go home because come on, this is so, this is so wild. And for it to follow such a tragic and difficult time in all of our lives, uh, I was like, this is the most positive, incredible, just wave of, of excitement that I I have to just embrace it and go full out. So we we went full out. We got Tom Ford tuxes. We had uh jeweler give us jewelry for the night. So we were wearing diamonds and everything. I was like, it's let's so go. This is, this is so surreal. You
1: described sort of, yeah. you hear your name. And it sounds like even when we were listening back to your speech just now that you have no – like you floated somehow up to the stage or, or you were like angels (laughs) carried you up there. Like no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like no memory of getting from
1: point A to point B.
2: No, I really like, I, I can't believe how fast it is when I watch it now. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I mean, it literally, I think I proved to everyone that I am. am in fact, Jamie, uh, that was just me up on stage. Um, I, you know, I remember that I did want to say I'm the next bride right. if it felt appropriate. And uh, because it was, it was, as I said, it was such an yeah. important line to Sondheim. And so many people I think were still confused is why I yelled that. I'm yeah. like, well, it's yeah. for me.
1: Before I let you go, when you talk about sort of, I just want to like circle back to young Matt for a second um, when you said like the lifelong dream of it all so can you just tell me like when was the moment in your childhood where it became clear that this was your dream
2: yeah when I was in middle school, I was really, really, really badly bullied, and you know, it went a little beyond. I think, like, oh, I was I was badly bullied. I was thrown in dumpsters. I was knocked out unconscious. It was physical bullying and all sorts of things. And uh, I found a community in uh, in theater, and uh, I found identity in theater, and I. I really quickly latched onto it as a result because in so many Mm -hmm. ways it saved my life. It told me that I I will be okay as long as I stayed around these people I was going to be okay and I feel that even as an adult even when there are moments where I I, theater is the last thing I want to do sometimes you know and you wake up I still yeah and I'll still come to work and be around the people and recognize oh this is why I'm here it's the collaboration it's the work it's being around this it's being excited by these ideas and by other people's ideas and and others talents and uh, gifts and I I think it was right or, right as soon as I discovered it I just I made the statement this is what I'm going to do this is what I'm going to do and then you know became more and more of a musical theater fan as, right. as time passed and really started to understand the ins and outs of it and uh, the Tonys and create uh, became familiar with uh the idols mm-hmm. that mattered to me and yeah. Patty was certainly wow. one of them. What a so, full circle. Yeah.
1: What a beautiful full circle moment. Yeah. Um, not only to win a Tony, but to win a Tony yeah. in a show with Patty Lapone, right? Like for it all to kind of-
2: Oh, Outrageous. I remember giving uh, my musical theater teacher who kind of pulled me out of that and, and introduced it all to me a uh, mixtape of Patty Lapone. And so you remember when we all burned CDs, I I did that for her. And I was like, I was like, Patty she's really good. You should listen to her. And my my teacher was like, Yes. There's
1: I someone know. named Liza <laughs> I wanna tell you about. You might find her yeah. a lot of fun yeah. also. Judy, just a bunch of gals. Yeah. Um Exactly. So so if I ask you to kind of finish this sentence for me, to me, yeah, Matt Doyle, yeah. company is... Uh.
2: Breakthrough, a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough for me. I think i I really uh relaxed into myself as an artist, and I know I've had a lot of friends tell me that as well. So it's a breakthrough because I think there were a lot of uh, fears and angers and frustrations with the industry and and all sorts of things that build over time that I was able to really release in that because I trusted the piece and the work and the people around me. so that was that was a massive breakthrough for me just to uh be able to love what I was doing and trust that and have it turn into what it turned into it's that that's the only reason that I'm I got to stand on that stage and and accept that Tony is because I I trusted the peace and the people around me so that was a breakthrough for me I think
1: Matt Doyle thank you for being on and the award goes to you today what a pleasure to get to talk to you today thank you thank you so much for having me I'm
2: so grateful thank you
1: And The Tony Goes To is produced by Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. The music and lyrics for the theme song were written by Georgia Fumusa. Theme song orchestration by Alexander Sage Oyen. Episodes are edited by Derek Gunther. Thank you to Parody Bill for the graphics. And please don't forget to go to the iTunes show page and rate and review the show. Thanks for listening. Excerpt from the Tony Awards used with permission of Tony Awards Productions.